United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Watching the situation develop in Israel, there are several different things happening. Number one, they're trying to form a new government. They seem to have come to an agreement. There are also issues related to coronavirus, which presents a dilemma for tens of thousands of Palestinian laborers who work inside Israel now cannot travel back and forth. There are also concerns about tracking, something you're hearing much about in this country. Uh, The Palestinians, for example, are told to download apps that track phones. That's a story in Haaretz. Trying to make sense of some of the complicated issues there is our next guest, Lucy Kurtzer-Ellenbogen, who's director of the Israeli-Palestinian Conflict Program at the U.S. Institute of Peace. The Twitter handle is at USIP. Lucy, welcome back. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me on, Tim. First, on the formation of a government, there seems to be an understanding, a power-sharing arrangement that has been, an agreement that has been reached. Tell us about it, what we can expect. Uh, yes, well, it's it's only taken about a, a year and three elections, and we're not there uh, yet. But it does seem um, that we are close to a power-sharing arrangement between uh, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his main political rival, uh, Benny Gantz. Benny Gantz had been tasked after the most recent election with forming a governing coalition, um, seemed to have uh, a lot of the cards in his hands to perhaps be able to do so, but a couple of weeks ago, did make the decision to enter into talks, um, which seemed to be reaching a conclusion uh, to enter a unity arrangement. Uh, what this would be, what he has said, is this is necessary right now in the face of this unprecedented uh, crisis with the corona pandemic. Uh, this would involve, as far as we can tell right now, um, a rotating prime ministership, which uh, Netanyahu would start that rotation and uh, hold that office for the first um, 18 months. On the issue of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, this would seem in some ways that it would unite so many people because, let's face it, it is a common enemy. On the other hand, if you look in Israel, there are reports that there are specific ultra-Orthodox communities that are uh, being hit disproportionately. In addition to that, there are some of the concerns about Palestinians who have to go across the border to work. Uh, Tell us how it is playing out right now in that country and in that region. Well, look, it is a significant challenge. And again, I think this was partly what prompted this um, unity um, arrangement from Gantz's perspective. This is a time to not sow further political division in an already very politically divided country. As you've mentioned, there are many things at stake. Um, Israel has had a rather um, serious uh, case relative to other states um, in the border region. I think they're now at about 9,000, maybe higher now again than that. Um, confirmed cases, 60 deaths in Israel low, and I think the West Bank um, has had about 240 um, confirmed cases, uh, not to mention Gaza, which is holding it um, right now, has been holding for a few days at 12 confirmed cases. Um, as you know, this is already uh, a conflict environment with complex arrangements between different communities within Israeli society, let alone between the Israelis and Palestinians. Um, and as you know, there's a lot of interdependence um, between the Israeli and Palestinian economies. You've had a lot of Palestinians working uh, in Israel, and that has become a concern. Israel is about to enter within the next few hours a full shutdown in advance of the Passover holiday. There is some expectation that there will be Palestinian laborers returning to the West Bank who've been in Israel um, during this holiday, and that's become um, a significant concern for the West Bank authorities who are worried about 
more confirmed cases um, coming back in. What happens, uh, I mean, we've seen play out in this country what the uh, Congress has to deal with and the president has to deal with with the economy. What about the economic ramifications in the region? What happens down the road when people, for example, uh, there are anecdotes of people who work as laborers on the Israeli side, go back home, Palestinian side, they can't work, they're, they're quarantined, they're not making any money. And one wonders what happens to stir that economic drink in, in Israel. Absolutely. And this is a significant concern. Of course, this is coming at a time this has been particularly on the Palestinian economy has um, traditionally over the last number of years been reliant on the international donor community. And of course, the international community right now has its own hands full dealing with the pandemic. This this is by nature of a pandemic. It is hitting everyone and everywhere hard. And if it hasn't hit certain places yet, the expectation is it is coming. Um, and this is, of course, um, the major concern. I flagged Gaza before. Um, I think uh, Israelis and Palestinians, let alone the neighboring region, neighbors such as Egypt, are really holding their breath. As I said, that's 12 cases confirmed now, but this is a place that's already in economic devastation. It has weak infrastructure, specifically healthcare infrastructure, poor uh, sanitation conditions, lack of um, um, of necessary equipment to deal if there were a larger outbreak. Um, and of course, you know, there's been this uh, cliche almost for the last few years that viruses, pathogens, they don't respect uh, borders. And so an outbreak, a larger outbreak um, in Gaza, and if the outbreak becomes more significant in Israel and in the West Bank, um, will have um, not just large health implications, obviously most seriously, but severe economic and humanitarian um, uh, considerations and concerns for all these actors to deal with. To that point about the economic concerns, and this is not directly related to coronavirus, but one of the things we've been watching play out recently is the dropping price of oil. There's been a battle between Saudi Arabia and Russia on this and whether or not they're going to cut supply or not. And as a result, the plummeting oil price has affected the economy of of Saudi Arabia. And one wonders if that, coupled with some of the economic struggles ahead, are raising concerns about the rise of terrorism or rebellions in any of these surrounding countries. And if security is becoming increasingly a, an issue? Uh, look, absolutely. And this is this is the challenge when you think of a pandemic like this hitting an already fragile, conflict-ridden region. Um, the numbers have been, again, this is all in relative terms, um, the numbers have been somewhat low, at least those reported numbers right now in some of these Middle Eastern countries. But again, the expectation is these numbers are going to go up everywhere. And we are looking at a broader Middle East region that is... Um, already um, mired um, in fragile conditions, whether it's large populations of refugees, internally displaced peoples, wars, um, and um, humanitarian, uh, die humanitarian situations uh, in places I've, I've mentioned, uh, Gaza, but places like Yemen, places like uh, Libya. So I think the region is really bracing. I think the question becomes, at a time like this, um, can it lead to some stabilizing measures, some types of cooperation that everybody sees in their own mutual interest um, that could actually spur some uh, some positive effects? You Turning back to um, Gaza and Israel, we've seen as an example in the last couple of days, there's now emerging um, um, suggestions that Israel and Hamas have been engaged in um, and will continue to be engaged in indirect talks on a prisoner release um, deal whereby Hamas would release 
um, the bodies of two soldiers and um, two currently civilian prisoners it is holding uh, in exchange for Israel releasing some Palestinian prisoners. And this is being discussed um, as a sort of humanitarian deal in the context of this joint foe everybody is confronting of COVID. So again, sometimes in these situations, the potential silver lining is that out of these um, crises, you may sometimes see um, an urgency felt and acted upon for countries that otherwise might not cooperate to try to work together in the face of this crisis. And to that broader point, as we wrap this up, I wonder, is there a greater sense of human unity, if you will, or is that also being fractured or borders just becoming more more uh, brightly drawn, those, those lines between cultures and, and countries in this region? Uh, you know, this is this is going to be one of these situations that that uh, plays out over time, and we'll see where we end up in the uh, uh, in the coming months. What you have seen, again, returning to the Israeli-Palestinian situation, you've seen a lot of um, uh, positive and constructive cooperation between certainly Israelis and Palestinians, the Palestinian authorities in the West Bank around this Corona um, virus crisis. Um, And what you do often see, and this is something we tested in a simulation we did at USIP a couple of years ago, what you often see in the face of these immediate crises is a lot of banding together and cooperation um, in the immediacy of an outbreak like this. The question is how long it holds afterwards. Uh, What we found, at least when we tested, we did a simulation focused on, at the time, a hypothetical cholera outbreak in Gaza. And what we saw is that in the face of an immediate crisis, the actors do actually very well in cooperating to mitigate uh, that immediate danger. But as soon as the immediate danger um, subsides, uh, actors have a very hard time um, compromising uh, their interest to get to longer-term solutions. So again, this is something we're going to have to watch uh, play out over the next few months. I do appreciate you joining us. Lucy, thanks so much for being on POTUS today. Thank you. Lucy Kurtzer-Ellenbogen is director of the Israeli-Palestinian Conflict Program at the United States Institute of Peace. Some thoughts on what they're doing there, the power-sharing agreement in the government, as well as how the relationship is going between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And, of course, beyond those borders, she is tweeting at USIP. That is the Twitter handle, at USIP. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.